Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist and the host of this podcast, From Crisis to Connection. This is a podcast about relationships, the relationships with others, of course, but also the relationship with ourselves and the relationship with our higher power. I believe we experience our deepest joys when we're in harmony with these relationships. But when we lose that connection to ourselves and others through our own unhealthy behaviors like addictions, infidelity, secrecy, abuse, and so on, or we lose it by being betrayed by someone else's choices, it throws us into crisis. Getting out of crisis and living in connection isn't always straightforward or easy, but it is possible. And that's why every week I bring you incredible guests who share their life experiences and expertise to help you move from crisis to connection. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back. Today, I'm going to give you part two of my interview with Stephen and Real Croshaw. They are the founders of the SA Lifeline Foundation, which is a nonprofit 501c3 organization dedicated to helping couples and individuals heal from the effects of sexual addiction and betrayal trauma. They have created so many resources based on their own experience in working 12-step programs, but also in just studying and speaking and coordinating with professionals over the years to produce life-changing information and resources that has helped thousands and thousands of people. So I'm grateful to have them on the show. I'm excited to share with you the resources that they've created. They've got some great stuff and a lot of it's free, which is so cool. And they've done a great job of organizing really what it takes in the recovery process and offering these resources to people out there. So in today's episode, we'll talk more about those details. If you want to hear their story, go back to the previous episode where you get to hear their story, what they're about, where they've come from, and might give you some more context for the great resources that they're going to talk about in this episode. So without further ado, let's jump right into my interview with Stephen and Real Croshaw. Well, welcome back, Stephen and Real. Thanks for being back with me. Yes, of course. It's great to be with you. Yeah. So I invited my listeners to listen to your previous episode where you guys talk about your story. I think it gives a lot of context for what we're going to talk about today, because today is really about a combination of you know what you guys did. You talked a little bit about how you guys started recovery, but really the extension of that, the expansion of that really led you into offering help for people in distress. And I, I remember when you guys started SA Lifeline, goodness, back in 2008, 2009, is that when you started it? It's been about it was, 12 years. It was 2008. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you guys started, I remember one of the early brochures that you had for it was that painting of those guys on horseback that were running supplies to some stranded pioneers who were stuck in the snow. And they were coming with not only supplies, but hope that there was help on the way, more help. And, and I know you guys don't use that image anymore in your branding and your, you know, your, your website and so on. But I remember that early on and being so moved by the spirit of what you guys were doing, which was offering people the hope and the resources 
and the supplies basically that you guys could have used, you know, 20 years previous that would have saved you guys a lot of pain and anguish. And, and so can you just sort of take it from here, guys, and talk about what you guys started building and what you've created? Because I want my listeners to understand what an incredible resource you guys are and everything you've created and built. Well, I'll go back to the, the painting. Yeah. That picture was these three horsemen, and all that they had was one of them had an onion in his pocket. Oh, that's it. So they didn't have any food. Didn't have any resources. All they were to do is to get there and say, help is coming. Oh, wow. And so that was our first, when Stephen and I started this, we just, we knew after about three years of actively working recovery, he actually was going to therapy every week. He was doing 12 step at least once a week. I actually, at that point, hadn't started doing 12 step. Of course, I didn't need any help. <laughs> um, <laughs> for my trauma. I thought if he just could take care of it and fix whatever, everything would be grand. And that's another part of the story. But that little bit of hope. And so at the very first, then we found a resource that was educational that we believed had truth to it, that mm. this is a true addiction. This is a brain addiction. This is a behavioral addiction. This is why people when they really want to stop, can't, just on their own. And just stopping wasn't possible as much as we all would like that to be the case. So that was the first. So the educational resources were the very beginning of what we could offer after the onion of hope. <laughs> yeah. Now, starting the foundation was essentially to offer hope, and part of that was to share our story Part of that was to offer education, and we were opportunities to distribute educational materials were coming our way as we started the foundation, and there are some powerful stories associated with that. So we began to gather in educational materials while we told our story, and our story included qualified therapy and working 12-step. They were not resources that we were providing, but we were living. And so we were out to tell people, don't throw in the towel on your marriage immediately. Give yourself an opportunity to be successful in your own work of recovery first. Yes. Set the marriage, before you throw the marriage in the tank, work on your recovery. And then, and then at some point, evaluate that marriage in a little bit different context than just all of that, all those lies and deceit. And see, it, see now what the opportunities might be to have a marriage if you're living in recovery. So, because that was our story, we felt so strongly that there were many who had thrown in the towel too soon. We had seen, we had been to therapy and seen others who, you know, were good for a year. And then in a year or two or three, they're divorced because he's back at it and she's done. Right. And that was, that was really kind of our story. And so at that point, I just, I just let it go for a while. I had a roof over my head. I was able to take care of the kids. So, you know, we had enough just to watch if he was willing to do what it was going to take in all of these areas. And we really didn't understand that 12 years ago, but we knew there was more than just going to therapy. And we knew there was more than just going to a few 12 step meetings. And there had to be this, what we call the recovery puzzle. And it's four facets, four legs to the chair. 
that are required for long-term recovery. We didn't want to do the one, two, or three years, and now he's been lying for five. Oh, yeah. And well, that we've just done was, that twice. We've done it already. And, yeah. and, we, and we knew, and we began to understand why. Yeah, yeah, yeah because exactly. There, because there wasn't an understanding of what we were dealing with, or there was a refusal to understand what we were dealing with. And then, so in order for, for there to be hope for recovery, there also has to be a willingness on my part to work and to be honest. Yeah. So if, I'm, if I've got that in my heart, I'm willing to work and be honest, then I am eligible for the work of recovery. But if I'm not willing to be honest, and if I'm not willing to have a humble heart in this effort and get into it and make it happen, then I'm not ready. And there are many, and maybe we, were, maybe we weren't ready back. I don't, I don't know. Think we were. So we weren't ready, but when there is an individual ready then from the way we talk about recovery, then the spiritual aspect of recovery comes into play. And I can't make him be ready. And I can't make him be willing. I can't help manufacture the willing heart. But it is the critical piece. And that's what's in the center of our recovery puzzle. So, but who, that who, willing heart. We believe who, who does that. Right. I get emotional on this. <laughs> is that God gives us all these, he gives us chances all along the way. Okay, I'm going to give you another opportunity. I'm going to give you another opportunity. What are you going to do with this opportunity? And for me, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get arrested. Now let's see what you do with that opportunity. And so that is, so if God's hand is in my life to that degree and continuing to give me opportunities, at what point am I willing to be ready? And that became the point where I was willing to be ready because I, everything was on the line at that point. And I, there was too much to lose to not decide that I got to do more than what I've done in the past. And so I wanted to, I've said this and I heard it so many times early in recovery. He'll, I'll know if he wants it bad enough, like he wants to breathe. Yeah. And that's what I was looking for. I was looking for He's not going to say, well, it's the 4th of July, so I'm not going to SA. Or, oh, we're having Sunday dinner, so I'm not going to do my recovery work. I wanted to see the absolute willing heart. He wanted to do it enough like he wanted to breathe. And that was really critical for me. And, you know, of course for him, but for me to, because he could lie so well (laughs) and tell me everything was good. I have never seen him act out. I have never had one bit of proof. So how do I know he hasn't been acting out for 15 years? That is a question that is often brought to me. Oh, yeah. How do you know he's not? Well, because we talk, I know what recovery behavior looks like. Humble, honest, accountable, willing to connect. Those are the behaviors I see in recovery. Right. You can't fake those. No. So where we are, we've started into this puzzle. Okay. Yeah. So, so what, as a foundation, we didn't know this when we started the foundation. All we knew when we started was we need to share our story because there are people who need to hear it because their lives are, they can have great lives. They just need to hear that there's hope for a great life. So we start into this willing heart and what, how do we become willing? And I believe that, that it finally becomes that connection with between a person and God and that may not even be recognized, but it, there is that willingness. Then we, within the puzzle, there's on the outside of the puzzle, critical pieces. I have to be willing to be honest and I have to have a commitment and I have to be willing to take accountability for what I'm, what I'm about to do. 
or on a daily basis. And then how in the world am I going to stay safe in this whole process? Because safety is so critical. I know Dr. Victor Klein, who's, who passed away several years ago, this is stuff that he was talking about all the time. Yeah, that's right. He was, so what we're talking about right now is not new stuff, but we have tried to put it into a visual and explain it in such a way from our own story that there are critical elements of the work of recovery. If we are willing to put ourselves into a position to access all these and willingly participate, our chances of living in recovery go way up. If we look at, and I constantly refer to this in chapter five of Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, it starts out, chapter five is, starts the first sentence, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Thoroughly followed our path. And their path is a spiritual path. And they make no bones about it. In chapter four, which it's is not religious. It's, it's not, not religious. It's not a religious right. path. It's a, and neither is ours. It's a connected path to the God of my understanding. And my understanding is different, Jeff, than yours. My understanding is different than Rill's because it's built upon my own experience, my own built relationship. We may have maybe we have doctrinal similarities, but we don't have the same experiences with God. I love that. Just as a side note, I love that the idea that I could be sitting in the pew next to somebody in my same congregation, and we both have a different God of our own understanding. Right. We do. That's right. profound. I love that. Or even outside walking down the street, you may not, you're not even yeah. in a pew in church. You have a different, I have a different God of understanding, and I certainly have a different God of my understanding than I did 30 years ago. Beautiful. And- if we look at that from a practical standpoint, and I don't want to get into the details of what this means, but our personal experience has a deep impact on the God of our understanding. Oh, yeah. I mentioned, oh, yeah. I mentioned in the previous podcast that Rill's father was a great man who never did betray the trust of his wife or his daughter. And how much did that relate to Rill's understanding of God? That was deep. Oh, yeah. Or my own understanding was I had an incredibly wonderful father and mother, but they gave me zero boundaries. I had no boundaries. And so when I was growing up, I thought I can do whatever I want. Literally, I thought that. When I was in high school, I was in a rock band. I wouldn't come home at night. So what did that say to me about God? That no says boundaries. no boundaries. You know, yeah. I can pretty much do what I want. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, I guess I'm, maybe I am, I digress. But the idea here is for us, we in the foundation have gone down this pathway where we recognize that we can add a spiritual component to the work of recovery that most generally you won't find in a therapist's office because therapists are, they're going to focus on something other than, than working 12 step or the spiritual connection or what your understanding of God is or the process of repentance, they're just not going to go down that path with you generally. But they can. I can see in our work how therapists will look to SA Lifeline and SAL and say, you need this relationship with God, and you need the relationship with other people in recovery. You can go and find it in this place if you're willing. Yeah. So that, that brings us to for years, Stephen went to SA, I went to SNON, and we actually started a number of meetings of SA and SNON. And, but then we just discovered that some of the philosophy was not matching what our recovery experience was. Hmm. And so we, much to 
we did not want to do this. <laughs> very much like, I don't want to stand up and tell you my story and people think I'm not very smart because I stayed for so long. But much to our feeling of, oh no, we don't want to do this because this is going to throw a lot more on our plate. We felt that we needed to start our own 12-step program based on its trauma, uh, trauma responsiveness for both addiction and betrayal trauma. Yes. And that, that it's specific to sexual addiction and betrayal trauma, gender-specific meetings, no women in the, in the addict meetings and no men in the, in the women's trauma meetings. And this is working 12-step based on what we need to recover from. Right. And we started that about six years ago. And it was one of those things that never want to do this. <laughs> I know. We already had what we felt was a good program, but it was missing something. And so we have worked for the last six years to hone this and to and get collaborative a collaborative effort among those who really, really understand good recovery. Right. And so those meetings have grown exponentially across the world. I was in a meeting and there was a woman from Spain and a woman from Mexico. It was like, amazing. How, how in the world did they find? It? And, you know, because we don't advertise, it's not like we're going out, come and be part of our, you know, rock bottom is the best place you'll be. No, we don't. It's not fun. We all need to find our rock bottom. <laughs> and you guys, you guys were telling me before we started recording that you're up to 40, 50 meetings a week now. Well, 50 plus, because we have, some of them are, are in person, but most are online. Yeah. So, what, here we are. It's incredible. In December 2020, amidst this COVID-19 pandemic, and the silver lining, there are a few, believe it or not, is that we recognized that we had to put more effort into online meetings. We already had we a had number some, of meetings. But we just didn't have enough. And so we have out of necessity, grown the, our online presence dramatically. So here we are, we offer now an opportunity for people to participate in 12-step. If they're in Spain, if they're in Mexico, if they're in France, they can still join in. If they're in Timbuktu, South Dakota, on an oil rig, which I spoke to a guy last week who was in that exact situation. He had no resources, only what he could get online. So when we start to think about how we have the ability to communicate now online, we can do some pretty incredible work of recovery no matter where we are. I love it, yeah. One of the differences is that in this program, it's really critical that we work with a sponsor. Now, AA, Stephen has talked about AA. We appreciate and honor the history and the background of AA. That is a, it's well known that if you, one addict works with another addict and they're both working recovery, that is one of the most successful ways that you have good sobriety and recovery. And so in SAL, it's a critical piece that you have a sponsor. And so when women call me and I'll say, do you have a good therapist? Yes, good. Well, it's wonderful. You can go to your therapist every week, hopefully. But when you have a triggering moment, you're not going to be able to get your therapist on the phone and say, I just 
I just got triggered big time. I am in a right. puddle floor. And a sponsor is a woman. This is not someone who has read about it. This is a woman who knows how it feels to be a puddle on the floor. And she works her recovery with her own sponsor to know how to surrender the things I cannot change. And one of the questions we always say is, if you've done the surrender process, knees, foam, box, what is the boundary? Do you need a boundary for that so that you feel safe? And these are, we don't give advice. We are not therapists, but, and, not but. And uh, as we don't give advice, we share our strength, hope, and experience. And that works. Yeah. And as we work the steps, steps one, two, and three, my life is unmanageable. Just like his life can be unmanageable and has been. I finally figured out after years, oh, what does that look like in my life? And there is a power that can bring me back to serenity, and I will let him. And that process of, we talk about knees, phone box, is reaching out to a sponsor, writing it down, praying it, dear God, please take this. I cannot control this. And we start to learn the things based on the serenity prayer, those things I cannot control. Jeff, as you can I see, control as him. you can see, we we have had little experience with folks. <laughs> so, That's why I wanted what? you guys on here. That's why I wanted you guys are my go-to people for this. If we look at the recovery puzzle and what and now as we go out and identify opportunities to work recovery, my opportunities, Rail's opportunities, when we share them and they're they're we're not as unique in our challenges as we think. Exactly. We are. I have talked to thousands of men who deal with the same thing that I deal with. There is a common thread through every single story. And so even though we, we all, we live our own story and it's unique to us, it is shared by most in that this unmanageability has overtaken our life and we haven't known how to deal with unmanageability. So what we say and what we espouse is the Work of recovery is synergistic when we apply all the principles. We have a qualified therapist who recognizes the power of appropriate boundaries, who recognizes the power of quality education, who recognizes the power of a spiritual connection that we can gain as we work the 12 steps, who encourages this idea of commitment and honesty and accountability and safety. So now we've got a therapist that is pointing in the same direction. Now we have a foundation that's pointing in the same direction and a group of members of the SAL 12-step program that are pointing in the same direction. That way, we, we're all kind of telling the same story. And pretty soon people go, well, you guys, you're hearing it from your therapist that this is a good pathway. You're hearing it from a sponsor that this is a good pathway. Yes. And you're reading it in your materials. This is a good pathway. It begins to say, well, maybe this works for me. So we go out, we share this story. Some buy in, some don't. Anyway, we, we have found that there are many who are desperately looking and they have no clue. Absolutely. So hopefully, hopefully we can add a clue. Well, exactly. And that's, that's so much why I love your guys' stuff because you've organized it in a way that you, you show the path. You make it so clear where to start. Can you tell my listeners where they can find you and what you offer? Because again, at the very beginning, metaphorically speaking, you, you had hope in an onion. <laughs> And that's how I actually met you guys had reached out to me and and were asking me to help produce some materials with you and also using some of the stuff I'd created with Kevin Skinner. And, you know, we were just trying to just offer as many resources and hope 
back in those days, there just weren't, weren't a ton of resources. But since then, you've created more resources. You have these groups. Can you just tell our listeners, like, what, where can they go? What will they find? What can they access? One of the first things I would say for most women is they find my book, What Can I Do About Me? And just the first 20 pages of 100 and some pages, 120, are our story. Because the rest of that is a pathway to recovery, the pathway that I have walked and I continue to walk. I love that and, book. And that, that gives hope. Yeah. It's interesting how many women have called me from all over the nation and with tears, like, your story is exactly like mine. Yeah. And I, but that book is one of the first places that women actually, is, but it's on audio and it's on Kindle. And so, you know, women so can, can listen to it? Oh, on our website. You can go to our website and find what or can Amazon. I do about me or Amazon. And you know what? An interesting read. And Jeff, I'll, I'll even suggest that you, if you haven't, take a look at the, at the comments on Amazon. For Real's book? For Real's book. I will. I'll go look at that. He has 100% five stars except for one fellow. I'm, and he said, you've destroyed my marriage. You're ruining my <laughs> Yes, his wife's getting some boundaries. Anyway, yeah, it's, that's, it, really fat. that's really funny. It's, it's not just for women who have experienced trauma because of betrayal. It's for men to know what happens when they betray. And they just completely, yes. they completely kind of make it – a guy like myself who's dealing with addiction – has a tendency to be very selfish and introspective and say, listen, this is about Not me. introspective, just selfish. Okay, selfish. <laughs> and so anyway, it's, it's self-centered. A, it, so we've talked about what can I do about me. We need to talk about sal12step.org. So it's S-A-L, the number 12, the word step.org. I'll put a link in the show notes for that so people can go right to it. They right. can link to it from salifeline.org as well, right? But right, they, so there's and so salifeline.org. Those two sites are linked. Sa Lifeline is built to help people see from a just an educational standpoint and a community where we are open. So Sa Lifeline, just as a way of explanation, is a public way for us to tell this story. Right. So we tell our story publicly, and we use our first and last name, and we, which is not the way that the anonymity of AA was set forth. Right. But we, we do our story through SA Lifeline or we tell our story through SA Lifeline. And so there's the website of education and information. When we go over to sal12step.org, I'm Stephen and, and my wife is real and we are fellows among fellows. We are not anything more than that. So Beautiful. the SAL 12-step program is accessed there free and all so meetings are all free. All meetings are free. Right. They buy a, a few books. And so their investment is less than $75 in books. They then begin to work the program. They find a sponsor. And hopefully they're doing that in harmony with their therapist. And so what we're looking at now from a resource standpoint is we offer these websites. We offer the SAL 12-step meetings because honestly, the principles of SAL 12-step kind of bridge the gap on some of the challenges that other S groups have. I won't go into detail of what they are, but people discover those when they come in. So there's, there's those two websites. And then we do offer a number of publications in addition to that, which you find on salifeline.org. Some of them are specific to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Some of them are non-denominational. Real's book is non-denominational. Okay. And we're soon coming out with the SAL book, 
non-denominational book about working recovery and the recovery puzzle that we've talked about in this discussion is thoroughly discussed in the book. And so the SAL book has a focus on 12-step because that's what we do, but it incorporates the idea that recovery and the work of recovery is multifaceted, and here it is. Beautiful. Now the resources are there. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'll put links to all those in the show notes so people can access this and go just look around and see what's available for them. But I, like I told you before, I've been sending so many of the people I work with to your SAL group so they can get a sponsor, so they can get community, they can get the accountability and the support. And it's free. That's the most beautiful thing about it, right? Like there's no excuse <laughs> to not get some help and some support to put them on that path. And I love, I love that all these resources that you've stayed so committed to your own recovery and your own discovery of what really works, what really helps, and that you've had the, the courage and the resources and the strength to, and the energy, I know you're tired sometimes about this, but to really make it match, to really pull together the resources so there's one place where people can get a good quality a recovery experience and lots of tools and resources. And so I, I hope people will go there and really dig into what you guys have created because it's it works and it's it's super helpful. Well, we have to work our own recovery first. Absolutely. Years ago, I read a book. As I was writing my book, there was a book. Uh, and I thought, why am I writing this? I don't even remember the name of it. And I was just, it was amazing about her, their experience and her experience and all this. I got to the end and there was a little addendum. He was lying for seven years. We're divorced. I was on the floor. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, what am I doing? Because it really sets, it, wow. it, it's so scary. And I just thought, we have to work our recovery that first for ourselves, for our marriage, for our 27 grandchildren, our family. If others benefit, we're grateful. But that's not why we do this. This is our recovery. And we share it with others, knowing that this is a journey, but it is a joyful journey. It is not sunshine and roses all the time, but it is definitely worth it. We are more connected than we've ever been. And that's saying something. Yeah. Um, and the bar had to be raised higher in our marriage, and we had to work harder. We're not on a parallel path. We are working, I mean, there is a parallel path, but we're not living parallel lives. We are living connected lives. Beautiful. You guys, I think we should stop right here. This is perfect. Thank you so much for for your commitment to your own recoveries and then everything that's extended out of that to bless other people's lives. And I appreciate you framing it that way, real, because that is really what, what this is about, right? Taking responsibility yeah. for your own lives and your own families. It is. Maybe in another podcast, we'll talk about families, Jeff. Heck yeah. I'd love to have you guys come back. Maybe have Tara come on. I think Tara would be helpful, yeah. Yeah, this is their daughter who has spoken publicly at at conferences about her own experience being the daughter of, she talks about like daughter of a sex addict or a couple in recovery or something like that. There was a presentation she did on the impact on her. And so, yeah, that's a great idea. In fact, we'll definitely uh, invite you guys back. Thank you both so much. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. If you want to connect with Stephen and Real Croshaw, you can visit them at salifeline.org. You can also visit sal12step.org, where they host meetings for both men and women healing from sexual addiction and betrayal trauma. Once again, these meetings are free. They have so many resources on both of those websites that are completely free of charge and are really great quality information to help you or a loved one in recovery. So go check it out. 
Thank you, Stephen and Real. You guys are fantastic. Thank you for your courage, for coming out and speaking up about your story, letting people know that there is hope, and really modeling what good, healthy, long-term recovery looks like. Both the ups and the downs. You guys are just so real and honest. I just really appreciate you and your friendship and the great work that you're doing to people all over the world. And my listeners, thank you so much for supporting this podcast. I'm really excited about the new name change, the new clarity and focus, and I've got so many great guests that I will continue to interview. And I love hearing from all of you. So continue to drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you think of the show, what topics or issues you want me to address, and if there's any guests that you would love for me to have on the show. And of course, please leave a rating and a review if you feel like this information is helpful. It makes it so much easier for people to find the podcast and help it grow and reach so many more people around the world. And again, of course, if you want resources, if you want support, I've got all kinds of stuff on my website and my social media channels are very active. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and of course, my website where I've got courses, past episodes of this podcast, and I do write a weekly relationship column. Go check all of that out. All the information, all the details are in the show notes. So it's easy to find. Thank you once again. I look forward to connecting with you in the next episode.